Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, it's another week of Cinematics. New episode. This is episode number 222. Here's the thing. This is Christmas week. This is New Year's Eve, New Year's Day kind of holidays. Happy holidays to you guys out there wherever you are. So we're doing a... I don't know. I want to take this week off. But Bruce and Aaron, they want to do an episode per week. They're hard workers. They're hard workers. Bruce, why did you... I wanted five weeks off, Bruce. But no, it's not good for the continuity of the show. What do you think, Bruce? Work. Work. <laughs> work, work, work. work. The oh, so I think I... I I'm making sort of a half, meet me halfway here situation. So we're not covering three or four movies this week. We're covering a movie called All of Us Strangers. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a quick review of All of Us Strangers, quick mini recommend for these two movies. You guys don't have to get, just quickly recommend these two movies that you and both of you guys saw. And then we're going to launch into spoilers on All of Us Strangers and feelings. So we're actually going to do a full-bodied, Discussion of all of the strangers for our recommends. It'll just be a quick one, two, three punch with Eric and Bruce on whether why they liked Barbie or Saltburn, which two movies I still haven't seen. But let's get to all of the strangers. It hit theaters last week on December 22nd, and it centers on a, a screenwriter played by Andrew Scott. He plays Adam. He's a lonely screenwriter living in a sky rise. It's a newly done sky rise or maybe a refurbished sky rise. And What's interesting is he is the only, seemingly one of the only two people in the sky rise right now. And what happens is there's a fire alarm in his sky rise while he's trying to write and and hang out at his sky rise. And he goes down at the fire alarm and you can see when he's down downstairs, he goes out in the, the open out on the outside and you realize the high rise, there's hardly any lights except one light. And that light is the domicile of Harry, played by Paul Meskel. And from the from the outdoors, you see Adam, played by Andrew Scott. Adam looking downstairs through the window of Harry's. And that's where the connection begins. Adam goes back to his apartment, and then he gets a knock on the door by Harry, played by Paul Meskel. And Harry's asking Adam, like, hey. Harry has a bottle of whiskey, and he's trying to come on to Adam and really late at night and Adam is just a writer and usually stereotypically writers are very insular introverted people and Adam Scott plays him in a very sensitive and he's pretty much a sensitive soul and Adam basically kindly shuts the door on Harry so that's you you see something going on within the first act there might be something between Adam and Harry maybe not a big another big part of the movie deals with Adam going into town he's writing a a story about his parents, his late parents. But when he goes into seeing his childhood home, lo and behold, he sees his parents. His parents are mom and dad. They're played by Claire Foy and, and Jamie Bell. So the rest of the movie deals with Adam reconciling the notion that his mom and dad are right before him in his childhood home. And it's about them trying to reconnect through this Maybe are they ghosts? Are they an imagination of Adam's? Who knows? Adam is a writer. He has a vivid imagination. He's writing a story about his parents. This whole thing, and it's very meta because Andrew Haig is a writer too. So maybe it might be from his own life, inspired by his own life. Who knows? It's a very interesting story. Is it about ghosts? Is it a family drama? Is it a love story between these two men? Maybe all three? Who knows? 
Eric, your thoughts on all of us strangers? I think it's about uh, bringing baggage into a relationship. You know, uh, we all have, uh, you know, people go about their lives and intersect with someone. In this case, it's Adam and Harry. And uh, what Harry doesn't realize is that Adam's going through some, maybe some late, late post-traumatic stress uh, with his, can we say that? Yeah. That's okay. Uh, Of his, uh, of his uh, parents having passed away. And he's like, uh, at least in this movie, he's like right in the thick of it. It had happened a while ago. When he was 12. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I could be wrong, but I think what this movie is getting at is he's finally just starting to deal with it. Granted, he sees his parents, whether they're ghosts or imagination or whatever it is, he's definitely dealing with that now. Maybe finally, just when him and Harry are having that budding relationship and it plays with that idea pretty well, you know, because you have him having hit you know talking with his parents and by the way like him his character being gay and then having those conversations with his parents like you know because the parents don't know they're dead yet or they don't know that they're about to die or at the the timing's really weird on that so they knew him as a kid and now just automatically they get to see him as grown adult so then they get to have that conversation and he gets asked questions about like uh you know, kind of take them to task on their own parenting ability, asking questions about what they actually thought of them and then seeing what their parents think of like, you know, we knew you as a kid and now we see you as a grown adult just out of nowhere. And what do you think of me now? You know, and that, that was really interesting conversations to have. And then now is he actually seeing this or is this all in his head? And is this something that Harry wants to deal with? He wants he wants to have a relationship with Adam, but maybe doesn't want uh, to deal with all this baggage, you know, going in. So I, I I thought this was a pretty good movie. And usually movies like this kind of like uh, the, we've seen a couple of movies recently where they have like an idea. Uh, what was the the one we watched last week with uh, Anthony Hopkins? That movie had like the neat idea that they didn't explore. This is a neat idea that they explore. I don't know that they explored it fully, but they certainly explored it quite a bit. And yeah, this is good stuff. Bruce? Yeah. Um, your original question was, could it be all three? I'd say, yeah, it could be all three. For me, it is. I think one of the things that makes this, for me, work really well is tone management. Because this is a movie that on paper, if you just describe what's happening, this could fail utterly. If it was just done slightly wrong, it could be ludicrous. And sure, it could be for some now, but I don't think so. But it's done in such a subtle and caring way. Like this this is a movie where you feel like the author and the the writer, whoever wrote it, I don't know who's the writer, is the director, the writer too? Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Taichi tai Yamada, based on a book, uh, Andrew Haig wrote and directed adapted it, yeah. it. okay so yeah. so the director especially the way it's directed the, the tone and the style of it it's like you just feel that these characters are cared about all of them greatly by the person making this film and i i feel like that is vastly important for how this is presented to us and how it is successful one thing so you talk about the beginning greg and another thing i think talk about this really interesting is the way we introduce our to the parents right so you almost so he keeps taking he lives in london in this essentially abandoned apartment complex that has not been occupied by anybody but 
Harry and himself. Adam and Harry are the only ones there. And then he takes a train. Anytime he takes a train out to the suburbs to where his parents lived when he was a child, it's like he's time traveling or something. The first time he does it, you don't know what's going on. You see him go up to the house. He holds up an old photo and he compares it to the house. And he's like, oh, yes. So, you know, he recognizes the house, but you don't know what it is. And he's just walking around like playgrounds and he's walking through a field there's some man watching him from the edges of the forest and you're not sure like who this guy is and the guy comes up and talks to him and it's almost like you feel like the guy is picking him up because you've already figured out that he's a gay a gay man probably uh you haven't really explored that yet in the movie and you feel like the guy's picking him up this guy comes up to him talks to him a little bit invites him back home and then you discover like this is his father and you're like and then you're like well it seemed like they're the same age i don't get this so it slowly kind of unravels and reveals what's going on. And then once you're in there, if you've accepted it up to that point, I think as the viewer you're in, and I know I was at that point, and it's such a gentle, slow discovery. And it, like you said, it works in several ways. It works as a, a, a tentative romance, a very tentative romance, because Adam is very fragile and you think Harry might be too, but you're not really sure. You don't really know Harry's story as much as you know Adam's. You're learning Adam's much more directly. And then on top of that, this really interesting idea of quote haunting, right? You know, meeting his parents at the age they were when they died, which is I think younger than he is currently. I think it's like 30 years before that. Yeah. He's old enough. But having them, instead of having them just be like, they acknowledge him in his current state. That's a really interesting idea that they see him now and they deal with him now. So for them as quote ghosts, right? And I'm not going to get too many spoilers, but that's the kind of a basic concept you have to kind of know about this movie for them emotionally dealing with what he's become is a really interesting idea, which I haven't really seen explored in movies. Whereas they're not just plot devices. They could be just pure plot devices that don't have anything at stake for themselves, but they actually have stakes for themselves, which I think is very interesting. This is a pretty immersive movie. Did you guys really, this is considered one of the best films of the year. And I think it works. I was saying on our cinematics Facebook group, technically it's a beautiful looking movie. So if you want that visual immersion, I think, Eric, in one of your interviews, I think for The Mental State, you asked, what does the colorist do? Whoever the colorist was in this movie, it looks beautiful. And like Bruce was saying, it keeps this really strong tone throughout the movie. You don't feel like you're being, you you don't feel like the director has lost his muse or most importantly, his focus throughout the entire narrative. It is really locked in. By 20 minutes in, I was thinking, okay, so parents are passed away, they're ghosts, they had a nice conversation. There's there's about 70 or 80 minutes left. What's next, right? <laughs> That's a whole story. Well, wrong. You, it con- continued to immerse me in the entire story. Third act, don't want to say what happens, but was surprising because it's, Eric, to your point, it's not a spoiler to know that the parents have passed. That's already in the trailer. It's already in the reviews. You're going to have to talk a little bit about the movie. And I'm under, I understand the, the concern with that because like Bruce, you were saying, if you don't know anything about all of us strangers, it's actually a better experience if you know, if you don't know the, who these people are. Let's, let's just face it, okay? But even with that, it's still an immensely enjoyable film. Yes, Eric? I, I would probably go the other way. I think it's better to know because if you don't know what's happening, because I, I know I didn't and I was confused like a lot. 
Yeah, like the first one. It, it wasn't until, oh, I get it. And then I, I kind of would would rather have seen the trailer oh. or have known that that's where it was going because early on I was I was just lost. And then once I figured out what was going on, it wasn't like, oh, that's a cool surprise. It's, oh, okay, now I know what this is. Now, oh, I, can, interesting. now I can relax. Yeah, Bruce. I was going to say, I kind of agree and disagree with Eric because I know how Eric a lot of these kind of movies can kind of be like oh my gosh when is something going to happen right I can feel that and in the beginning of this movie if you don't know why the things are happening it doesn't make feel like anything's happening although stuff is happening because when you know where it's leading it, it all is adding up to that but until you know that's his parents you're like what's going on <laughs> what are we doing a, here <laughs> a perfect example is uh, Petite Maman and this has yes. a lot and a, yes. a ton in common with Petite Maman where like early on like the first time I saw Petite Maman I was like oh indie porn I hate this until I figured out what was going on and I'm like oh okay this is cool and then I went back and watched the the beginning again having already watched the movie and knowing what's going on and now I can appreciate like all that stuff that's happened I think it's similar to this once you know what's going on you can start appreciating what happens early on before the movie tells you what's going on William Lindis in his Movie Bears podcast review I, I will put the link oh guys remind me I'll put William Lindis's link a uh, movie review link on our show notes he was talking about how you know with queer cinema it's a great look at a relationship between two men and how they are portrayed so William was talking about relating to that story. For me, on the flip side, for, t for almost 10 years, I lived in high rise. And this is the first time where I actually felt the reason why I love living in sky rises, because even though I never felt lonely, I loved being solitary. And when you're at that level, high level, you're looking not down on the world, you're looking apart from the world. You are an observer. You are keeping the world at bay. And that is what Adam is doing for most of this movie or most of his life, you're inferring that because of this tragedy and that he's a writer, he's kept a few sort of a distance from humanity. He writes about it. He writes these stories, but he's all alone in his sky rise until the supposed supernatural event occurs, until Harry comes knocking on his door with a half drunk bottle of whiskey and Adam must make those decisions. Does he let Harry into his world? Does he let these ghosts who suppose a ghost or his parents back into his life. So these are the life dilemmas that Adam must face. And I think ultimately without giving too much away, whether they are ghosts or not is not the most important thing. It's about the transformation of Adam. So I just thought that was a very interesting film. Bruce, uh, Eric, your final thoughts on this movie and, and rating before we get to. I kind of be uh, curious because uh, both my parents are still with me. Um, I'd be curious how this uh, affects like uh, Greg, you, you know, mentioned a bunch of, of your dad's passing and like certain movies hit you a certain way because of that. I, I don't have that because, again, both my parents are still with me as we currently speak. But I'd, I'd be curious of kind of how a movie like this affects you or. The, do you kind of fantasize like, oh, if I could go back and don't ask me personal questions anymore, Eric. I, I'm the one who's okay. supposed to ask personal questions. <laughs> I'm right. just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You and I, the interviewers, don't ask, don't turn the tables on me. I'm we're part of the whole uh, brothers in arms here. No, but yeah, definitely affected me, Eric. Bruce, your your rating uh, yeah. on thoughts. Oh, my rating. Well, my rating is five stars on this one. I think it's it's amazing. I'm not going to go through all the scenes, but I do want to highlight one scene without talking about it specifically what happens in it, other than to say. There's a scene between ghost, dead father, and son where you have not only 
the question of acceptance, and I won't say where that goes, but you have the question of the father discussing and acknowledging how he maybe mistreated or treated his son as a youth and and how that goes forward. And I think for any parent and child relationship, the idea of acknowledging maybe the mistakes that you made or the harm that you did, whether it's with a gay child or not gay child, that's a pretty powerful scene. There's several powerful scenes, but I just want to call that one out as especially well, powerful, I thought. Well, I'm not going to one-up you, but I'm going to add to this. There is a scene with Claire Foy as yeah. mom, and she's talking, and you guys both know what scene I'm talking about. She's telling Adam about, well, it would have been cool if we could grow. You know, it's about growing yes. as a not growing as a child, but also growing as a parent. You're not the best mom and dad when your baby's born. You grow into it, right? Don't you? I, hopefully, Bruce, yes. you know better than me or, yes. or Eric. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think there's a, there's a lot of sensitivity all the way around with that, with parent and child relationships. And do we agree this is probably the best use of Pet Shop Boys in a Christmas scene ever in the history of cinema? 100%. Probably. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> also, we mentioned in our Patreon episode. By the way, our Patreon episode we we covered the Nicholas Nicholas Rogue film Eureka, and also an interesting Michael Mann film called The Keep. Check it out on our Patreon for our Patreon members. It's very interesting for December. That said, the reason why I'm saying that is Nicholas Rogue, great editor, great visualist. Andrew Haig. This movie has a montage that Nicholas Rogue would would love if he was still alive today and salivate over. It's a beautifully edited and shot film. Let's just get it. I mean, it's an emotional film, but there are there's just great cinematic technique. Okay, I mean, yes, I would, say, I would say to tie it to the keep um, on the Patreon. We talked about that scene <laughs> with the keep where it just backs up, backs up, backs up, backs up. Till oh yes, that yes, left. that's in this too. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, very good, Eric. Very good pull. And Eric William Lin has also said in his review again, which we're going to link on the movie Bear Bears podcast review that there's I think the ending is some of the six seconds of the most powerful moments in cinema. That was interesting that he said that. I don't know if we all agree with it. I sort of I kind of agree because I, I really love that mention and we're not gonna get, get too much into it. We're gonna get to that in the spoilers at the end of the show. Okay. But Eric, what is Bruce said five stars. What is your rating on all of the strangers? Um I'm probably four stars on this. Uh, I, th- I think it got a lot stronger towards the end than it was towards the beginning. But again, they have a, the movie has a point of view and it engages with that point of view really dang well, I think. Yes. Okay. So all of the strangers, I forgot to mention, Andrew Scott and Paul Mescal. Uh, for me, they had a ton of great chemistry. Okay. That's yes. how I, oh my God. Okay. So this for me was like petite maman level, like am- amazing. So like, yeah, I, five stars. I'm really bad. I'm really sad that I watched this after I voted for the Critics Choice Association. This would have been my favorite film of of 2023. So five stars, right? <laughs> I mean, right off the top. And Jamie Bell, Claire Foy, great as the mom and dad. No weaknesses. Also, we're gonna get to the spoilers towards the end. So after Bruce and and Eric do the recommends, say bye bye. Okay, if you haven't seen this, and then you can pre- please check back to this episode, and we'll talk about the endings. I'm gonna give you guys a reason why all of the strangers is worth watching at least twice and we're going to see if bruce and eric agrees with me on that now let's go to our quick recommends bruce and eric can you guys talk about the two movies you recommend our cinematics listeners 
Sure. Uh, fast, very fast for very Barbie. Fast. What are you going to say about Barbie? Everyone's watched Barbie. I haven't um, seen Barbie. I hadn't watched Barbie. Because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a misogynist. Is it, can I say uh, that? Well, yes. Lisa, can I say, you're, you're, am I misogynist? You're, no, you're living in your Mojo Dojo Casa house. Uh, I'm sure you are. Bar- 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 Barbie's Christmas movie. Yeah. Barbie's a Christmas I don't know if you know. movie. <laughs> Let's just say I watched it twice. It's a five-star movie. This is, you know how like the Lego movie came out and it was way better than it had any right to be. And it was just excellent and it was fun and it was smart and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This is all that. And also somewhat emotional and also uh, probably the most, one of the most feminist movies of the year. I mean, but also just, I put it this way. The fact that Greta Gerwig can make movies like, um, oh, my, my brain's forgetting her movie. Little uh, Women. Uh, Little, Little Women. Women and... Uh, what, what, what bird? What the remember. the bird thing? Birdie. Little bird? Birdie? Uh, what, what, no, little bird? What is it called? What is it called? What is it called? I'll, I'll look it up right now. It. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll look it up. You right know what now. I'm trying to say? I can't think of. The name I'm of thinking it's like little bird or something. Uh, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. But it's little women. <laughs> ladybird. 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 Lady there you go. There All right. Go. Good God. Everyone's pulling their hair out right now. Yeah. Uh, ladybird and Little Women. Art house, indie movies, all this kind of stuff. And then she makes this movie. The fact that she has that breadth and can pull it off. And we talk about tone management. We're just talking about tone management. To be able to pull off the tone in this movie, to have it be this fun, ridiculously bright, vibrant, joyous, send-up comedy of the the Barbie concept, and have it be funny, and also have it be biting social satire in the midst of that, is almost impossible to pull off, and they do. And to actually have moments where you might even tear up, which is hard to even imagine would be in this movie, and it actually is there. I mean, and just super memorable performances all the way around. Great cast. I mean, there's nothing to say, but this is a great movie. And if you haven't watched it like myself, go watch it. Oh, um, Bruce, are you surprised? It's probably, I'm assuming, putting words in your mouth that it's one of your favorites of this year. Were you surprised that it would vault to that level? I'm, ass- I'm assuming I'm assuming it's one I, of your tops. I wasn't too surprised. I mean, this is when I actually did want to check in the movie theater, but no one wanted to go see it with me. And this is just, I, I don't go to the movie theater too awfully much with all the movies we watch every week. So I knew mm. it would be coming around eventually. Um, I expected to like it. I, I still think it surpassed what I expected it to be. So I liked it a lot. And very quickly, Eric, you concur with Bruce as far as I one of your tops. And yeah, I agree, agree with everything Bruce said. Agree with everything anyone says that's good about this movie because this movie's fantastic. And I would also point out that, uh, you know, that you get uh, certain blockbuster movies. They're not good. It's like, oh, it was boring. It was just dumb. And a lot of people would say, well, what do you expect? It's a blockbuster. This movie is fun. It's funny. It's intelligent. And it's it goes above and beyond. People would say with movies like this, it has no good being, it has no business being this good. But I think uh, movies like Barbie kind of set a bar. That other, I can't remember if I talked about Godzilla minus one. I know Bruce did. That Godzilla minus one is an example of uh, okay, you can't you can't use that as an excuse anymore. You can't use oh, this is just a dumb blockbuster extravaganza. Therefore, it can't be good. You can't. That's not an excuse anymore because we have movies like Barbie. Because we have Lego movies. I, I didn't love the Spider Verse movies, but those would be another great example. I think movies like Barbie just kind of set a new bar for other people to clear. And I, I, I got one other thing, but uh, I'll let Bruce go first. I want to say one other thing. I want to add to what you're saying. And it made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So you can do this and make money because a lot of times their excuse will be like, well, but it won't make money. Well, this helped, I think. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like, you can do it. And the other movies you mentioned, also Spider-Verse, uh, Lego Movie, those all made a lot of money too. So you can make a blockbuster that makes a lot of money and also be all of these great things and be great movies. And this Fair. movie, this movie completely craps all over Mattel. And, yeah, <laughs> and Mattel had to sign off on it. But that's the. Uh, that's the I, 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 I think I think there's a scene in this where uh, uh, kind of towards the end where Barbie's like, uh, I just want to be, or no, it wasn't Barbie. It was uh, the the mom. Uh, she was like, yeah, I think uh, maybe you could just have a Barbie that's maybe president. Maybe they just want to be a mom. Maybe they want to be neither. Maybe they just want to be who they are. Will Smith or uh, uh, Will Ferrell's like, that's a terrible idea. Looks like it's going to make money. Like I said, that's a great idea. <laughs> like, I, I think with, uh, but it kind of speaks to what we're talking about here because like, I think people want to see stuff like that. You know, they, they want the spectacle. They want the fun. But also, there's no reason why you can't have a point of view and a story and characters in there as well. Okay. But it does the weird trick, and we'll stop because we said we're going to go quickly. Yeah. Um, it does the weird trick where it craps on Mattel, but it also loves Barbie at the same time. Yeah. It doesn't hate Barbie. That's the weird thing about it. So that is the incredible trick of this movie is that it is a love letter and a satire at the same time. One last thing. Yes. This this movie also has a character named Midge, played by Emerald Fennel, who wrote and directed a movie called Saltburn, which is not at all a segue to anything. Okay, before yeah, it's gonna be a segue in a second. Eric, your rating on Barbie, Bruce gave it five stars. Yeah, it was five stars. Five stars from both Bruce and Eric for Barbie. Now is it streaming? What is it? How did you guys find it? Is it on Max? Uh, it's HBO Max, yeah. Okay, it's on Max right now. Also, oh well, not not also on Max, but Streaming on Prime Video is Saltburn. Eric, Saltburn, we, we know what it's about. Barry Keoghan's in it, and there's Jacob Elordi. Recommend it? Why? Why do you recommend it? Ouch. Um, do I recommend this? <laughs> it, it's tough. Um, well, first of all, uh, Angie Clark hit me up, and she had just seen, the, like, a bunch of people on Cinemax seen it, but Angie Clark hit hit me up, and we haven't, like, sometimes we'll both put on, like, time a movie, put it on at the same time, just kind of, like, text back and forth as we're watching the movie. And then I saw that Bruce had seen this. And I'm like, yeah, I'll watch Saltburn. So uh, basically watching with Angie Clark. And this is not my type of movie. Good. But I'd love to hear that. Are, but there are scenes in this that I greatly appreciate. Uh, a lot of this was similar. And uh, go listen to the Patreon about Eureka. There's a lot of uh, similar DNA between this and Eureka. And it, this movie is also very... I don't know if sexy is the right word. Uh, definitely horny, horny, horny. There you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, there, there's like a, a bathwater scene that nearly made me throw up. Mm. And, and then there's a, the, there's a bunch of scenes like that where Barry Keoghan's uh, character is just doing like, like, like he, he, he's, he starts humping something. It'd be a spoiler to say what it was, but he starts humping something. And at that point I'm like, just, of course he's humping that. <laughs> <laughs> of course so it didn't work for you right is, is there an, no well so early on it didn't because it was just straight up indie porn early on and then once it started kind of getting to the point of what the story was and i i kept like angie disagreed with me i still maintain that this is a vampire movie you let the vamp you know not a not a actual vampire movie but the fact that you let the vampire in the house and the vampire is going to destroy your life that's like a metaphorical vampire i guess okay. that are like uh that talented mr ripley vibes you let okay. the person in they start 
destroying your life. That's kind of, they let Barry Keoghan's character in. He starts like little by little, just kind of destroying their lives. And uh, it turns out before he was let in, they kind of already had their issues. Uh, this is not a bad movie. This is just not really my type of movie, but I did appreciate all the strange kind of sexual stuff that they had in it. And it got to the point where it just became comical. Like the one part where he's humping the thing that I can't say, they just linger, linger on that scene. <laughs> it just got to the point where, oh, this is supposed to be funny. I got gotcha. you. And then the the last the last shot, I guess. I, I can't remember. Were they playing credits during that part? It seemed like they should be playing credits if they weren't. But there's a part where you see Barry Keoghan's flopping around all over the place. That was uh, that was good. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, there, there's stuff I like in this overall, though. Not quite my type of movie, but. What's your rating? I'd probably go three stars on this. Three stars. Um, but I think some people will go like five stars. Other people will watch this and go one star. So <laughs> actually, I might go three star banger on this. Three star banger yeah. on yeah on Salburn yes yeah. uh yeah I liked it overall I didn't love it as much as I liked Promising Young Woman I think this movie is overly praised Salburn I think people think it's super heady and I think it's a little more basic than it pretends to be I think honestly this movie has more akin to the like Knives Out movies or the the Menu or something like that where it's Bruce like... you just got my reels title Salburn <laughs> is basic. I'm gonna hashtag Bruce well, Berkey. I think I said to somebody else. Get you, what? I said to somebody else on the page. This is like the person, the the person who thinks they're really strange and really random, but they're actually actually really basic. But it's fun, basic overall. But it's kind of uh, if you look at the, the once you know what's happening, like at about the I don't know 35, 40 minute movie or point in the movie, you know kind of what's happening. It's just kind of step by step by step, and you're just waiting for all the pieces to drop. But I had a fun time watching it overall. I will make. Another choice, though, if you want almost the exact same sort of setting and concept, but I think played out in a much more interesting way from this year, watch The Origin of Evil, which we discussed on a previous episode. Because I think The Origin of Evil does what this movie kind of wants to do in a much more interesting way. I know Eric wasn't quite so hot on it, but I think it was much more, um, it had a lot more thought in it and a lot more character in it whereas this one pretends like it has a lot of character it really doesn't have a lot of character it's really just kind of a flashy uh flashy fun romp of weirdness that's not really that weird is it empty <laughs> calories like a diet coke i like diet cokes so uh, does you know it, it looks beautiful it's skillfully shot it's it's acted with gusto which i appreciate but to me it's it's a it's a, this is a four star movie for me so i'm not hating on it but it should have been more like okay okay yeah. that's fair four stars for bruce perky three stars i think a three-star banger for eric holmes yeah. for salt burning and of course their top recommend this week was is barbie now let's get to that's it any final thoughts bruce uh yes pick a box movie and then we'll go to spoilers really quick okay a box oh movie pick a box really movie quick. okay yeah. yeah by the way uh... box box was interesting stuff bruce perky at gmail.com listeners cinematics listeners please email bruce or Hit us up on our, on Cinemax Facebook group and get some more. Wait, didn't you didn't you pick a box movie last week that nope. we're gonna push? 
Oh no, do we? Yeah, yeah, right now. Yeah, he's, he's picking. He's picking about, I don't know. I don't remember. No, no, I, don't I, I, I thought you. I thought you picked one. Like I knew we weren't doing one for this week, but I thought you were going to pick I, it early. You know, to, I think no, I didn't. did, and I can't remember what it is, so I'd have to go look. Well, <laughs> oh, really? let's pick one today, and we'll do two of them. All right, all right. Okay, we'll figure we? it out. Wow, let's listen to. I should listen to those uh, episodes. Now. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> goodness. Uh, well, uh, Walk the Cinema has suggested to me to watch What the Peeper Saw, which I don't even know what that movie is. What, what the Peepers? Okay. What the Peeper Saw? Oh, actually. You did. I think it was a. Uh, okay. What, what, the I, what was in a movie? Like, I, I can't remember, but it had like a long title, like the something, we'll the, the, if, the if good there, and the something or whatever. If there is okay. another one, I will watch one for next week and I'll watch one for the week after. It, we're going to talk about all the yeah. strangers in a few moments. Okay. Spoiler stuff. So basically, we're done for this episode, unless you want to hear spoilers for all of the strangers. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes. Um, I'm on the film vaulters. Mitch Burns had a Christmas special. Uh, come on there. You had a, yeah. Diana Vandy camp shows up, uh, Florence Brummer, uh, a whole bunch of people, Geo. Yeah. A whole bunch of people show up. And then he had one with the middle-class film class. I guess that one won't so long that he just made that its own episode, which that's fun. And I will be doing some more, uh, playthroughs of the film vault game. If anyone would like to play, hit me up. And the but, videos will be found on what? What is YouTube? Oh, uh, those are on Hollywood? Mitch Burns, uh, the Hollywood, Hollywood Persona? Persona Film Vaulters. You can find it on YouTube. Okay, check it out. Mitch Burns again. He has two podcasts: the Film Vaulters, which is a celebration of the Film Vault, and I guess all, all of its people, the people who populate that universe, including Eric Holmes, oh, and also the Hollywood Persona. Yes, Eric. And also, um, if uh, you're on the Cinematics Facebook page, you may have mm-hmm. saw that we had a Secret Santa, and thank you, Patrick McCormick for Oppenheimer. Oh, thank you, Patrick McCormick, for Oppenheimer. Obviously, Eric Holmes is the wrong person to give it to, Patrick. Don't you know that it's Bruce Perky? He's a Chris... Every single week, Eric and I get calls at three in the morning, go see Tenet again. Go see Tenet again. Okay, Bruce, that's enough. We get it. You love Tenet. I just got to see it so you can really get it. You got to get all (laughs) the nuances. (laughs) Okay, finally, Bruce. Yes, yes, yes. I I will say also, I sent, uh, I was uh, Bruce's secret Santa, spoiler alert. Uh Uh, This is more just a public service announcement. So I was going to send it to Bruce, and they're like, uh, I was like, what does it cost to send? I was like, oh, it's like eight bucks. Uh, Do you want it there by Christmas? I'm like, that'd be ideal. How much is that? 80 bucks. I'm like, eight bucks it is. So I'm thinking <laughs> it's not going to get there for like a week from now, but apparently he has it already. So yeah, it came like if the you, day after Christmas. It was totally fine. <laughs> so it, so if you got to send something and they're like, it's going to be $80 to get it there today or $8 to get it there the day after, just go with eight bucks. Yeah, Much cheaper. Bucks. Saves you 70 bucks. You got a good gift, right, Bruce? You got a good gift? Yeah, cool. They, uh, they live uh, alien guy dude thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I put it next to my uh, VH chest tape of where they live so about a lot Bruce before I get the spoilers no no let's get to the spoilers man we'll get the spoilers right now we're not gonna get to the spoilers two seconds Mitch Burns thank you you were my secret Santa you were my secret Santa Mitch Burns thank you for your gift of the Criterion Collection disc Blu-ray Le Petit or Petite Maman it was basically saying I remember you from that episode Mitch you were kind you remembered when I started bawling like a little baby talking about Petite Maman because I love that movie so much I am not gonna bawl like a baby right now because we're gonna Thank you guys, Cinematics. We'll see you guys next week. We're talking about spoilers right now. Like Bruce said, I'm going to try my best not to bawl like a baby for all of us all of us strangers because I got teary during the movie. We're going to talk, talk about spoilers. Bruce, did you get teary? I almost got teary. I got, I, there was like tears, a little bit teary. You know? It was definitely emotional. Bruce, I don't emotional? know if I got teary, but it was emotional for sure. Yeah, I got teary-eyed. I think, uh, Eric, you were not 
too teary because you were still trying to uncover the puzzle puzzle pieces of this movie, right? A little bit. Sort no, of? I did. I, I did get. Uh, I started getting teary when the the he started having conversations, like real conversations with his parents about like just kind of re going over their parenting style and oh no, was I good? Was I good enough parent that I treat my son right that much? And then I uh, had that the part where the that this one didn't really make me so teary, but I thought it was kind of funny just because you know kind of how things play out. But uh, the mom's like, "Was it quick? Wait, never mind. Don't tell us. Don't tell us. No, it was quick. You're just saying that." And he <laughs> and was just trying, saying that. Yeah, and he was well, just saying lying. that. And they knew he they knew he was lying, right? They knew he was lying because of his body language. So, spoilers: is are his parents ghosts or not? Yes. It's sort of resolved, and Bruce is saying yes, it's sort of resolved towards the end because of that really family, they have that family dinner at his at his favorite childhood restaurant. They order the family meal, which is kind of weird because the parents can't be seen, right? And the waitress is saying, yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff we're going to eat. Yeah, he gets those three glasses. <laughs> <laughs> right, he gets the three, I want malts or whatever, and the, yeah. along with the, the three meals, right? That's his favorite meal plan. But they're they're basically talking about their own death they're they're talking about that and you're actually they're talking about um i guess meeting at d- different times and trying to resolve their issues and everything's coming out to the forefront and you think i'm thinking it's so they're acknowledging their existence as ghosts is it really answered do you, do you guys think that it's really answered or is there still a question that these parents are actually a figment of adam's imagination what what is your vote bruce and, and eric and we're going to go with that I think this is one of those instances where it doesn't matter. Yes. Uh, because for the the main character, like, you know, he's, if they're real, then he's getting closure with his parents. And uh, one of the things that might kind of lean it towards it being real is when the parents decide that we, like, we want to keep seeing you, but we see what this is doing to your life. This is ruining you. So we need to, Let's do one last day. We'll do one last day. But after that, we're gone. And it's for your own good. But that could also just be him in his own head coming to terms with that. Like, I got to let the past die. I got to I got to move on. Sure. So this is this is a situation where I don't think it's important whether or not the ghosts, they're ghosts or figments of his imagination. I think what's important is how his past is affecting his life now. And him kind of leaning into that is potentially ruining his life as much as he's getting closure you want to get the closure and move past it but he's in danger of not being able to move past it and then ruining his life as it currently is that is a strong argument eric bruce do you co-sign on that interpretation of the film or are you pretty clear that they are ghosts well i i I think they are ghosts i I agree though that it doesn't matter for the emotional stakes and the emotional journey he's taking like it works either way so it really is just a choice you make as a viewer i do I think it's interesting the fact that they're not the only ghosts though because of course harry's a ghost as well that one my, broke me that towards yeah. the end and then my question is is adam a ghost oh wow so it does once again great it bruce doesn't mm-hmm. matter but why is he able to see all these people that pass along and it is essentially is it like a sixth sense but not spelled out to you where oh. the reason he's seeing all these ghosts is because essentially they're helping him pass on so that the final moment of the movie is him basically in peace forever together with his true love among the stars both dead in the stars bruce 
Yeah. Wow. What so, so it's a like reading. Inception. And that's why they're both, oh, that's, why they're, yeah. that's why they're both, yeah. it's like a ghost story kind of, right? They're both, that's why they're both alone in this apartment complex. Yeah. It's like they're kind of in a, Holy... purg- a purgatory. Yeah. It's like, a, it, it's like Inception. It's like, does the top fall or not? And it's like, it doesn't matter because DiCaprio was yeah. dead the whole time. His so, wife, his wife came to sleep to try to bring so him back. My reading is the, so, only reason, oh, the, only, yeah. re, the only reason he sees any of these other ghosts, the only reason he can see any of these other ghosts is because he has died so the beginning of the beginning of the movie is his death we don't know how he's died they never show us that that's great bruce but he's dead i just wow i I just changed my star rating (laughs) wow that's amazing and also because the the dance sequences when they're when they're in the club yeah it's all montage right Mm -hmm. and it's all like you said it's a fever dream what happens when how do these fever dreams occur they occur sometimes in your subconscious, right? And sometimes yeah. they're not actually etched in reality, right? right? He's the only one in the playground, and I mean, the, in the in yeah. that grounds area, and he's in the the only one in the train. Yeah. Until he sees his younger self and that person next to him, right? Yeah. But wow, blown well, away. Well, of course, there's that scene where there's a scene where the the parents see Harry when he brings Harry over. Is it Harry, right? That's the name. I guess yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, no, Adam, Harry. Adam. Oh, yeah, bring Harry over. Yeah. Paul he brings yeah. Harry over to meet them. And even though he can't get in the house and Harry's like freaking out, like, why are you bringing me here? They're supposed to be dead. But then there's that moment where they look out the window and they see him. So that's a moment where you're identifying. And that's the moment where you're kind of like, wait, why do they see him? Why does he see them? And they see him because he's a ghost. That's also why they see Adam, because he's a ghost. Okay. One, <laughs> and again, quick. It doesn't it doesn't matter. That's a great. I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, now now my flip side, my counter to this, uh, the courtroom argument here, is um, with this theme of this movie, Andrew Haig, he's trying to say, Adam, that whole th- theme about his heart is wound up. It's right. wound. Right. And the theme of having people who are ghosts who have passed on, your parents, right. as well as the stranger, all of us strangers, the stranger being Harry, who is actually, like you said, has passed on as well due to suicide, Right. Or, and we're assuming it's or a suicide, or maybe overdose, or maybe overdose. Right? mean and alcohol and everything. He probably just died from overdose. Maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So, all of these, that stranger and his family healing his heart and helping him move on, and they're, with, they're like, all healing they're... each other's hearts. Really, I, th- I think the idea is that it's kind of the classic thing, right? The ghosts that can't move on because for whatever reason, like they all can't move on because they have unresolved stuff. So this movie is about them all resolving their stuff. Wow. I had a different read on that. I thought it was more of a human story about a man trying to move on and with people who passed be. on. It could be that too. No, no, I know no, 100%, 100% because that, I think my version is very healing, right? As far as learning from people who've passed on and continue continuing to take memories from your from your past and help that, help you move on with your life like Eric was pointing to, right? And maybe- reaching out to strangers and maybe they can enhance your life. Is, yeah. So that's good. But your th- version, I think is absolutely sublime. Well, my version also is like, it's like, okay, what is the one thing people hate? The regret of like, I never said goodbye. I never did this. I never did that. Right. You know, there's that, all the un, the unresolved stuff when you die. This is like almost saying like, you'll have a chance. It's like giving, it's like saying like, there is a chance in your life, in your afterlife even to do that if you really have to. It's not giving you a way out. It's just saying like, whenever you can do it, do it. 
but you've got to deal with this stuff at some point. And this way, this is the way I'm reading it. I, I really like That's it. That's a that great way. read, Bruce. Eric, were you surprised when when Harry died that with the discovery that Harry died, or were you were were you uh, not surprised that that happened? I d- honestly, I didn't. No, I d- like I'm surprised now. Oh, wait, 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 you, you weren't surprised when you saw Harry die? You saw, you weren't surprised when he walked into the room and Harry was dead? No, I, I like what like Bruce's whole take on it is kind of oh, oh, no. kind of recontextualizing everything about the movie. Oh no, no, but when, 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 so what what I'm getting at is that like you have like a certain movies that do that they you know they they like turn or do a little twist or whatever and that that's fine, but then does the the twist add anything to the story? And I think in this case it does because you have you have what the movie's about. And then now we have the new context and then Bruce just brought up a, a, a third context to it. And all that is not only equally valid, but they, they touch on different, like when you recontextualize it, it brings up different ideas of what the movie could mean. Mm-hmm. That's uh, deeper ideas that it can mean, not just who are they dead? Are they alive? Like, you know, that maybe it's a cool twist, but does it add anything to the emotional weight of the story? And I think in this case yeah. it does. And to me, it just the reason it really worked for me, and I had to kind of think about it afterwards, is just like that final shot of them going into the stars, basically. It absolutely worked yeah. with the way I read it. Like it just literally worked with the way I read it. So Wow. That's amazing, Bruce. I I bet you that probably William Lindis had the same read as you did. And that's why he said the final six seconds of the film is among the most powerful moments he's seen in cinema. So I think you and him were sort of two trains running on that interpretation. So that is it. Listeners. I, oh I, yeah. Go I, ahead. I just changed the star rating. Again. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just changed this. No, I went can't. from four to four and a half and I just now changed it to five. Five stars. Okay. Yes. Five star rating. Okay. Five star rating. Yeah, you talked me into it. There, oh yeah. Yeah. Look. Oh, okay. Finally, before we go, I alluded to our cinematics Facebook group. Listeners, if you haven't, please join our cinematics Facebook group. Not because of me, not because of Bruce, not because of Eric, okay? Because of people like Ken Cunningham, Andrew Dykstra, and just so many people, Angie Clark, it was Matt Stillman. Matt Stillman, by the way, gave this only three out of five. He thought it was more of like a stage play, all of the strangers. I'll, I'll, I'll take him aside. I'll put, I'll put him through the Bruce uh, treatment. We'll get him. <laughs> but Joy, okay, because of these one, Joseph Bridges, because of Andrew Martin, all of these wonderful people, all of these wonderful members, they give daily recommendations. And they have so many great Chad Wolfong, so many great Nathan Day, so many great interesting insights on movies, okay? So it goes way beyond us three and Anderson Cowan. So please join our Cinematics Facebook group. And I'm ending on this. The reason why I think All of the Strangers works as a movie, well, there's another reason because of Bruce's interpretation, but on second watch, you can watch this as, like Bruce said, like that movie, quote unquote, a ghost story. And you can just pick mm-hmm. the movie apart. It This movie, first first watch for me, Emotional hit. Second watch, start analyzing the ghost stuff. And I think this is, do you guys agree it has high rewatchability factor? All yeah. the strangers. Yeah, especially now. Okay, especially now. Oh, I think. Well, because like, I, I thought like doing a rewatch would just make me appreciate the beginning more. And then as we're talking, like you said you wanted to do a spoiler. I'm like, oh, I can, you know, I guess we can talk a little bit about that. But like the more. Bruce brought down the hammer. Down it, the the hammer. We're talking about it. Like the, <laughs> now I'm thinking like, I don't just need to appreciate the beginning. I need to appreciate like that. There's a lot more going on to this movie than I initially thought. And listeners, here's, here's the biggest illusion of our podcast. 
What you're listening to is not three people who are alive. You're just absolutely just imagining this conversation right now. Look out your window. Ooh, We're waving right at you. We'll see it's you the Halloween episode. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We love you. We'll see you next week. Here. The, the ghost. The Christmas the ghost podcast. For all strangers. Ooh. We'll see you guys later. Be yeah. a better bird.